0: We are, this morning, going to look at Joshua. Joshua chapter 24. And I don't think we're going to be leaving that part of the scripture, so you just want to keep your Bible open to that, because we will be referring to the verses there throughout this morning's message. But before we do that, before we start looking at Joshua, I wanted to... to uh, Take a moment of personal privilege. God blessed my wife and I with this trip. We had a wonderful, wonderful time visiting with our family. uh, And we'll tell you more about it later. But one of the things I wanted to share now. um, We had, because of this congregation's love back in September, we received a monetary gift from you. And it was not a million dollars, but it wasn't a little tiny bit either. It was a really nice love gift. And we talked about what we wanted to do with that money. And we decided that if it was possible, we wanted to try and help facilitate all of our family going to Disneyland down in Southern California. So we started looking online, and um, we we couldn't find an online website where we could find a price list for the children. We could find adults, but we couldn't find a price list for kids. Well, I have a nephew who works for that house, and I sent him a text message and I asked him if he could find me or could point me in the direction of, of the price list for children. And um, he texted back and he said, "Well, how many people are we talking about?" And I said, "Well, there's five adults." And three kids, two of them are two years old and one of them is uh, six years old. And about 15 minutes later, he texted back and he said, uh, it'll be $81. <clears throat> and I said, oh, $81 for the six-year-old? He said, no, $81 for all eight of you. Oh my goodness. That's... Wow. And so, <laughs> yeah. Yes. So then we were just floored. I cried. I, I just cried. Well, then what was so cool the morning that we were supposed to go to Disneyland, absolutely everything that could block us, blocked us. We, were, we got up late, took a long time to get ready, we had to meet... In a park Because some people Were staying over here And some people Were staying over there We finally got together Now we all gotta go To the bathroom Oh we gotta go to Target To get access to uh, ATM So we can get some cash Oh my goodness No well we're at Target They've got Starbucks We gotta stop for Starbucks <laughs> Well I'm really hungry Why don't somebody Go get some food Well there's no restaurant Let's just go into the Starbucks, into the Target And get some food And the whole time Bob is going You know what um, uh, You know this is supposed To be our day at Disneyland And I'm really ugh, I'm not gonna get upset I'm not going to get upset. There's no reason. We're together. I'm happy. We're good. Then we start driving and we get stopped at a light because there's a, a train that's coming. And then that train has to stop literally across our road to allow two other trains to pass. And it has to back up to make room for the other two trains to pass. And then finally it gets out of the way. Literally, we were at that intersection 15 minutes. And I was like, I'm not going to be upset. I'm not going to be upset. I'm going to be fine. We finally got to Disneyland, got through the parking garage thingy, got down to where they have two trams, and you get onto the tram, and then the driver takes you to the security area where you go through the security. So we got on the tram, and we're sitting there and waiting, and the other tram fills up and leaves. The new tram comes up. That tram fills up and leaves, and we're still sitting there, and I'm like... Is there a problem? I'm not going to get upset because I don't want to cause any problems for my family, making them feel upset. I'm just going to say, okay, God, it okay. Well, what happened was they had to wait for a relief driver because our driver apparently had reached the end of their shift and blah, 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 blah. So finally we get to security. Then we have to go and open up all of our bags and they have to go through everything. We finally get, <clears throat> then we uh, get to the, the gate of Disneyland. And there's this mad, crazy crush of people, and we're supposed to be meeting up with my nephew who has our tickets. At the same time, my brother has to buy a ticket, so he gets in line to buy a ticket. So finally, we're all ready to finally walk into Disneyland. And my niece got in line to see Belle from Beauty and the Beast. It's a 30-minute wait. Oh, and we wanted to get a picture of our family in front of that floral thing that says Mickey Mouse on it at the very front of dinner. That's a 30-minute wait. And the whole time, I'm just like, I am not going to be upset. I am not going to be... I'm trusting. We're, we're together. We're, we're good. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to be upset. Finally, finally, after all of these delays, we finally are able to walk through the gate of the happiest place on earth, the magical kingdom And all of a sudden, I hear a marching band. And my nephew, the one who works at Disneyland, says, Oh, quick, come! here and stand right here and we're standing on the curb in front of the train depot right there in Main Street and all of a sudden this marching band with the with the quartet and all of the Disney characters march up and get up on those stairs and perform a live show and we have front row center. Bless God. I started crying. I mean, I was just weeping saying, God Your timing is perfect. You know why it was such a cool thing? Because for weeks before we left, my daughter Kelly kept saying to her son, you're going to go see Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and Donald Duck and Goofy, and you're going to see Pluto, and you're going to see Chip and Dale. And I said, sweetie, you need to stop promising these to your son because there is no guarantee that all of those characters are going to be in the park that day. And you're going to be giving him false hope. Guess which characters were in that first show that we saw? Mm -hmm. Mickey and Minnie and Goofy and Donald Duck and Pluto and Chip and Dale. And I was just crying and weeping, and that was the beginning of the story. And then our nephew said "Um, I'm I'm sorry I can't uh I mean he said he said you're gonna have to give me cash while you go to the restaurant. Um, Because I have to pay for it. I said, that's okay. So then we get to this restaurant and we're eating and he brings back the money. And after it's all said and done, my wife and I were able to pay for all of our entries into Disneyland and the family meal at Disneyland because of the gift that this congregation gave us. So the only thing my kids had to pay for was trinkets that they wanted or if they wanted a cotton ball, a ball of cotton candy. That was all they had to pay for because of your love to us and because of the grace of God. Oh, and one other thing that was absolutely so cool. Now I forgot what I was going to say. There was the parade, there was the restaurant. Oh, my nephew, I told you, works for, for the mouse and He came up to us and said, I'm so sorry. I've just gotten called in. I have to leave. And we're like, oh, man, because we were hoping to spend the day with him. He said, I'm so sorry. He said, I'll come right back after the parade. And so he leaves to go in the parade. And so we're standing on the street of Disneyland. And there comes my nephew in the lead chimney sweep role of the Mary Poppins dancing area. One of my heart's desires for for more than a decade has been, I wish that I could be at Disneyland and see my nephew perform in the parade. But I know that it'll never happen because I don't live there. And the chances of me being there at the same time as him being there, this was the most magical, glorious, joy-filled experience we've ever experienced. And finally, when it was all said and done, the very last thing we did was we were on It's a Small World, which is at the very back of the park. And when we got out of the ride, we literally are walking out of the ride, and all of a sudden, the chimes start going off. It's 11 o'clock at night, and the park is now closed, but all of the thing is da- dancing around us, and we're standing under them going, oh. and then we got to walk the entire park as it was closing down. And it was just... Thank you, God. What a glorious, 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 joy-filled day full of memories and fun. And it was all again because of the love gift that this congregation gave us a month and a half ago. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, let's talk about this hero named Joshua. Chapter 24 of the book of Joshua. It's the last chapter in the in, in his story. And what has happened is, you're familiar with this story. Joshua was, as I just told the children, he had been the assistant to Moses all during the wilderness ex, excursion, all during the Exodus. And then it came time for Moses' death because Moses had uh, dishonored God and God said he would not be allowed to go into the promised land. And then he told Moses to bring Joshua to the forefront, and even while Moses was still alive, God had Moses still a mantle of authority on Joshua, so that the people would understand that Joshua was going to be their next leader. But then Joshua led the people of Israel through the conquest of the area of Canaan. Joshua was the one that brought them across the Jericho. Joshua was the one, excuse me, across the Jordan River. Joshua was the one that brought them to the city of Jericho and, and brought down the walls of Jericho through, through a crazy act of seven days of walking around it until they finally shouted and then the walls crumbled and they were able to take the, take the city captive. And story after story after story. And it literally, I, don't, I forgot to look when I was studying, but I, I don't remember how many years it was. I think it was like like 40 years, 30 years, that he was leading the people of Israel as they took over the land. And then finally, he knows it's his end of his life and they've taken the land. And it's now time for to take ownership and start setting up their houses. And so Joshua is no longer going to be leading this throng of people going and conquering the Israel. He's now saying, enter into your rest. But God puts it on his heart that there's one more great assembly that needs to take place before the people are dispersed to go take possession. And that's what this is. Joshua does a renewal of covenant with the people of Israel and God. And Joshua stands up and he says, as we see on the screen, choose for the, for you this day, whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And, um, Then the people of Israel say, well, of course we're going to serve the Lord. And Joshua looks at them. If you look in verse 19. Joshua looks at the people in this covenant renewal. Okay, God has taken them through 40 years of wandering in the desert. The release from Egypt, the the conquering of Pharaoh's army, 40 years of providing for them in the desert where they had food every day, where their clothes didn't wear out, their soles of their shoes didn't wear out. And then ultimately another 30 or 40 years of conquering the land. And then Joshua says, after they say, we're going to serve God, Joshua looks at him and says in verse 19, you're not able to serve the Lord. What? And that struck me as I was reading this. Now, for those of you who know anything about the church year, the calendar, the church calendar, um, next Sunday is the last Sunday of the church's year. It's the Christ the King Sunday. It's the Sunday, the last Sunday of the liturgical year. The very next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent. We're that close. <laughs> We're two weeks away from the Christmas season already. But the Sunday just before the Christ the King Sunday in the liturgical calendar is the Sunday that we look at this passage of scripture. It is the time when the church looks at this idea of serving the Lord and making a renewal of covenant before God. One of the commentators that I read when I was preparing for this said... The church year and the church calendar, we looked at the birth of Christ... We looked at all of the miracles of Christ. Then we looked at the death and resurrection of Christ. Then we looked at the ascension of Christ and the giving of the the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And then for the last number of months, we've looked at how God has worked throughout the church being faithful, being faithful, being faithful. And now we're asked, one week before we are to declare Jesus Jesus Christ the King, we are asked, according to the scriptures that are presented to the church, To examine ourselves and say, regardless of anybody else, we will serve the Lord. Every Christian that follows the church year, the church calendar, is looking at this this morning and talking about what it means for me and my house to serve God. So as I was reading all of this and preparing all of this, I was like, why God... (laughs) Did you have Joshua say when they were, we're gonna serve the Lord! And Joshua goes, ah, you can't do that. There's no way. You're not able to serve the Lord. I mean, if I were the pastor or the leader of that group, I certainly wouldn't be saying discouraging words at that moment. I would have continued the rah, 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 you can do it, yes you can, you can do it, yes we can, and sent them off on a glorious note, marching to their new homes, taking possession of the land that God has given them. Yes we, can, yes we can, yes we can, yes we can, yes we can, as they march off into the distance. But what does Joshua do, this seasoned leader, this hero, this man who has led them below these 40 years? You guys are nuts. There's no way you can serve God. What? So that gave me pause. So I wanted to look at what he was doing. What was his motivation and why was he saying that? And if you look at the words right after this, he says, you're not able to serve the Lord. Verse 19. Because he's a holy. Because he is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or sins. What? What are you talking about? What? That doesn't click with anything I know about this whole story. Then he goes and says in verse 20, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And then the people say, Oh no, no, we'll serve the Lord. And then Joshua said, Well, let's let's look at this before we go any farther with that. Let's look at this. God is a holy God. Why can't I serve God if He's a holy God? And I don't want you to answer my question, but I want you to think about it for with me for just a second. What about God's holiness makes it impossible for me to serve him? The thought that came to me was, my hands are dirty. No matter how clean I try to make them, my hands are dirty. and But for the grace of God, I can't serve him. The other one, the jealous thing. What does that have to do with it? God is a jealous God? What does that mean I can't serve him because God is jealous? Well, this was an interesting comment that I read, especially since I just did a wedding yesterday. The commentator said, okay, I I want to step back from this Joshua and God thing and let's just look at normal human relationships. Say say you're married to a human being and you come home after a long day of work and you say to your spouse, I have fulfilled all of my obligations to you, oh spouse, because I didn't have sex with another today. That would win a lot of points in the romance category, wouldn't it? If that's all you looked at as having a Covenantal relationship with this other human being is, I didn't have sex with anybody else today, so I, I, I honored our relationship. Your relationship would get pretty nasty pretty quickly. These are the words of this commentator. said, think about it. If, if your spouse met you at the door every day and said, I checked it off again, I didn't have sex with anybody today, so we're good. Where, what about the, the small, tender, kind, intimate things that you do on a day-to-day basis with your spouse? Gazing lovingly at them for no reason at all. Bringing them the last donut out of the box. Even though you could have just eaten it without them even knowing it and threw the box in the trash. But you, out of love, brought them the donut. Or cut it in half so you could have part of it. But but the reality is, is that there is much more to this relationship, this covenantal relationship between a husband and a wife than simply not violating the rule. So God being a jealous God, this idea is God desires you. For God's self, no one else. Me alone, I want you for me alone. Well, why was that important in this, this time? Because this is the only God that they've ever been exposed to that didn't allow other gods. In that culture, in that part of the world, they had multiple gods. This God did this, and this God did that, and this God did this, and if you needed something from this God, then you'd ask them, and you'd bring an offering, and if not, then you'd go to this God. Our God, Jehovah, doesn't allow that. Me and me alone. I am a jealous God, and I will have no others. I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods but me. The number one commandment. So Joshua is saying to these people, yeah, it's really easy to give lip service. It's really easy to say, oh, yeah, we're going to serve the Lord. Yes, we can. No, you can't. Because he's a holy God. And you're not a holy people without him. And he's a jealous God. And he will not allow you to have a relationship with him if you're going to be flirting with all these other gods. And on top of that, and this is what, was, what really struck me, he will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. Well, I thought he did. What Joshua is saying here, it's not that he won't forgive your transgressions and sins because you, oh, you lied to somebody or, oh, you accidentally this or you broke a command. No, what he's saying here is, is if you turn away from God, and serve these other gods, the number one commandment that I, we just quoted, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other gods before me. If you break that and start honoring and worshiping these other gods, you will not find forgiveness. Now that's really tough. Because when I think about grace, I think I should be able to get forgiveness. Forgiveness. And that also sets up in my mind this idea of a dichotomy, two sides of God. Because, like, isn't the New Testament all about God's love and grace and mercy? I mean, if I say to somebody, you need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's more than just religion, it's a relationship. It's God and you in in this intimate communion together. But in the Old Testament, especially this section here, it's saying... God is a jealous God. God is a holy God. And God will not tolerate, will not tolerate you violating the covenant between you and him. And if you do, there won't be forgiveness. And so I think, Lord, is this something that's just Old Testament doesn't apply to my life? Or does it really apply to my life? And if it does apply to my life, in what way does it apply to my life? And what I truly believe As Paul said to us, God is the same yesterday and today and forever. There is no difference in God. This is the way God is. And so I believe with all of my heart that as I enter into relationship with God, there's an expectation on his part. We are entering into a covenant. And if you remember, when God entered into covenant with Abraham, he literally walked a blood path. And he said, if either one of us breaks this covenant, let it be done unto me what has been done unto these animals. Let him be torn asunder and killed and blood flow. And isn't that what happened? Jesus had to die on the cross and his blood had to flow so that the covenant could be restored and continued. So in my walking with God saying, "Us for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There is much more to it than a nice little placard that sits on the front wall of my house. You see, Joshua is remembered for this. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And everyone going, Yes, we can. Yes, we can. But nobody talks about or thinks about all of the underlying things that are there. Move to the last part of this, verse 22. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. You're a witness against yourself that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. And he said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you. And incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. How could they have gods in their camp? How could they have statues in their camp? When they're saying, we will serve the Lord. Because the commandment from their leader was, clean your house. Do a thorough examination of where you are who you are, what you are before you do this commitment to the almighty one and if you are indeed committing do one more sweep and make sure that there is nothing that is going to cause him to come to you and go, what is this because I'm telling you folks he's a holy God, he is a jealous God and he will not forgive you turning your heart to another And then verse 24, and the people said to Joshua, the Lord, our God, we will serve and his voice we will obey. The Hebrew, I I was reading again, one of the commentators said the Hebrew of this is that we will hear his voice. That, That we will serve, we will hear his voice and we will obey it's not just a matter of, 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 of saying, I'm a, I'm a servant of God, but it's a person who intimately, who listens carefully for the voice of God and then obeys what, what they're being told. So then Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and he put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem and, God, and, jo- and Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and then he took a large stone and he set it up there under the terebinth tree that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to the people, behold, this stone shall be a witness against all of us. For this stone has heard all the words that the Lord has spoken to us. And therefore it shall be a witness against you. Lest you try to deal falsely with your God. So Joshua sent the people away. Every person to their inheritance. It's quite a different Ending to a story. It's like I said. Can you, imagine? in my mind, from the human perspective? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And they would go off in their rally cry. But Joshua, this wise hero of God, this leader who was raised up by God and who who trusted God and listened to Him for thirty to forty years as He led the people of Israel. One last rallying cry is, make sure you have a clean house. Make sure you have completely undivided loyalty to this holy and jealous God who will not tolerate the sin of apostasy. That's a pretty sobering thought for us as we enter into this week just before declaring Christ the King next Sunday. And so, for myself, I intend to spend this week in reflection. I would encourage you to do it. I can't make you, but I will, I, I am for myself. I intend that my devotions this week, my spending time alone with God is going to be spent examining and, if necessary, cleaning house. Is there anything in me, Father, that you find detestable? Is there any way that I am living right now that is not acceptable and needs to be removed? Have I placed anything above you, O God? So that when I come next Sunday and declare him my king, I can do it with a clear heart. And I can do it knowing that he's not going to be sitting back going, nice words. So that's my encouragement to us this week. That's what I I sense the Lord wanted me to say to you guys. There is, um, well, I guess the, the last thing that I wanted to say was, there is a new way to look at this placard that you see all over Christendom. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's a new way for you to bring conversation to your friends who have that placard in their home. To talk about the holiness of God and the fact that God desires you to have no one else but Him and how real and serious that is. And to not take it lightly. So, let's pray.